Good morning. Welcome to Secret to My Success. My name is Alan Bornstein, and I'm here with... Luis Alasea. Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here once again in this beautiful, beautiful morning. So we are here to talk to business owners about their journey, their venture, how they went from being employed by somebody to being self-employed. Luis brought some amazing guests in here that have played professional sports, football, baseball. Football, baseball, uh, basketball, and uh, golf. We've had some wonderful people, and this is about learning their secret to their success to help you grow your business. Thanks for being here with us this morning. We're so glad you could be here. If you have an interesting story, if you know somebody, that you think we should be talking to, we'd like to hear from you. You can reach me, Alan, 561-953-2007 at extension 101. Once again, my name is Alan. Secret to my success, 561-953-2007, extension 101. Please call us. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Good morning. This is Alan, Secret to my success. Thank you for being here with us on this lovely, whatever day it could be that you're listening. So I am here with... The one, the only, Luis Salasea. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Louis, and we have Dawn. Hi, everybody. Hi, Alan. Hi, Hi Louis. Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm good. You look lovely today. Why, thank you. I know. Dressed up and everything. She came Man. on a dress today. What about that? I'm feeling a little underdressed. Yeah, it's the Realtor Radio Day, right? Realtor Radio yeah, Day. Yeah, I got to do some real estate <laughs> after here, so I have to dress up nice. a little bit. That yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Well, we have a very special guest today that's going to give us dirt on Louie. I've been trying to get stuff from <laughs> him or from people that know him for the longest time. Mike, no Green thing. Mike Greenwell was here last last time around and nothing. Wouldn't give us anything. There's no such thing as that? I think there is. Got to dig in deep. We're going to dig. Brian, are you there? Yes, I am. Introduce yourself, sir. No, My I name think is I... Brian Simmons, and I am the owner of Winston Trails Golf Club in Lake Worth, Florida. Nice. I'm going to stop you there. Listen. Yes. This guy is an amazing guy. Not only that, he's an amazing family man and loves his family, does anything for anybody, but this guy, uh, he's got so many ideas, so many things he's involved and so many things he does. But the best of it is just he likes to help people. And uh, not only he owns a golf course, but he's one of the best teachers that I've known in the golf game for the short game, putting and chipping, which you know, everybody knows how difficult that is. But that's not it. He 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 does so many other things. So, Brian, welcome to the show, and uh, I want you to uh, really tell us about yourself. Hold on. Before you do that, Brian, i got to ask you a question. Did Louie butter you up enough that you're not going to say any dirt on this show? Because I that was to, buttering. That I was, have to try, bro. That was impressive buttering up. I'm I'm psyched for you, Brian. Luis is the best guy there is. That's the only dirt I got. <laughs> so, Brian, how many people do you actually know? He knows a lot. Oh, okay, <laughs> I was just curious. <laughs> so, Brian, Winston Trails, I, I have a confession to make. Every time I go to the guard in front of your entrance, I tell them I'm going to the golf course, so they just let me through and they never call anybody. Well, there's a reason that happens. Uh when you buy a, a golf course in the middle of a housing development, they actually uh, legally work in a term called the declarant of the property. And all that means is that you have exclusive rights at the gate, and any of my customers, vendors, patrons, uh, guests, whoever, have an un unobstructed uh, 
movement through that gate. If you didn't have that, then the HOA would control your customer base and you'd be in big trouble. Mm. So, Brian, where are you from? Let's take a little step back and then we'll get into what you're doing today. Where are you originally from? I grew up in Philadelphia, King of Prussia. Philly. I used to live in Philly. I used to work in King of Prussia. Yeah. By the oh, mall. How about that? King, right by King of Prussia Park. Mall. Yeah. Yeah. that. So does that make you like uh, a Phillies fan? You know, I was an Eagles fan and a Phillies fan and a Sixers fan for many, many years. And uh, I, I moved to Florida uh, for college in the, the, the late 70s. And um, you know, I'm still a Phillies fan. I'm, I'm still an Eagles fan. Uh, I don't know about the Sixers. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> so you've been converted? You're a Heat fan? No, I'm no. not a Heat fan. You're not a Heat fan? Yeah. Really? Okay, that's Not fair. at all. So what made you move to Florida? Uh, I went to college in, at Flagler College in St. Augustine oh, in uh, 1978 and did some time uh, as far as school is there. And then I wound up going to Indiana, uh, Evansville, Indiana, and I worked and lived with uh, one of the greatest players and teachers of the 40s named Bob Hamilton, who won the 1944 PGA Championship and was a Ryder Cup player. Nice. Pretty impressive. So what did the man teach you? Well, he was the he was considered back then the greatest wedge player in a 100-yard and end player in golf. And all the top players would go to him to try to learn about wedge play and bunker play and uh, anything to do with the short game. Brian got a chance to see you for and known you for a few years now and and I know you work with a lot of uh, young players and professionals as we all know the short game in golf is what's important is when you score and I think uh, you're the master I've seen it in action I've seen how you do the things um, tell us some some of the guys that you work with and, and, and mostly you know obviously that's what they come to you for so can you tell us about that sure well it, it I was working with, uh, with a young pro named Craig Bowden, uh, who was from Indiana, and Craig went on to win four events on what is now the Corn Ferry Tour. He played the PGA Tour. Um, Craig played in 13 majors, and he was a young man back in 1988 that came to me that was about an 80 shooter and said he was going to play the PGA Tour, like a lot of people say. And not only did he listen, he put the time in, he put the work in, and, and has wound up having a great career. Uh, he's 52 years old now, trying to play the senior tour, but I, I think he had earnings of about $5 million out there, uh, which was exciting. Um, I've worked with, you know, just a thousand uh, players, if you will, good amateurs. And uh, as a young man growing up in Philadelphia, and this is really, I think this is very unique. Uh, the guy that was the player back then was a, a gentleman named Jay Sigel. And Jay was, or is considered, the greatest amateur golfer since Bobby Jones. He's won U.S. amateurs, British amateurs, uh, mid-amateurs. He was low amateur in the Masters five or six times, uh, British Open, and uh, was a lifelong amateur uh, till he was 50 years old, turned pro at 50, played the senior tour, and won 13 times out there. Mm-hmm. So it just gives you a little taste of how great a player he really was. As a kid, 
Jay was everybody's idol. He was such a great player as an amateur. And I would wait on the ninth tee box. I was 14 years old, and Jay would come up to the ninth tee in the IVB Philadelphia Golf Classic, and he'd be an amateur player playing against the pros, and I would then follow him the rest of the day. And, you know, we all aspired to, to, to be like Jay, how good a player he was. I caddied for him when I was 16 and wound up at a, at a place called Phoenixville Country Club, and he had a third shot on a par five, and I told him where to play it. He did not believe me. He aimed at the pin, and the ball rolled off the green back down to his feet twice. Mm-hmm. He then picked the ball up, birdied the next hole to win the match. Nice. So fast forward this 34 years, and a guy named Norm Swenson, who was another student, a great amateur player, brings Jay Siegel out to work with me on his putting. And I said to him, Mr. Siegel, I'm really surprised you're here. He said, well, well, why? And I said, you wouldn't listen to me 34 years ago. Why would you listen to me today? And we both laughed a lot about it. And I've taught him now for 10 years. So let me ask you this question here. It's obvious you're passionate about the game. You're passionate about the techniques of the game, everything. How did you monetize this? How have you actually made money in this industry? Um. In 1988, uh, being down, coming to Florida in 90, I was thinking about, well, I've got a couple of kids. I've got child support payments. I'm going to Florida blind. I don't have a job. Uh, I'm sleeping on the floor of an apartment with six golf pros. I have to figure this out. And um, went to Boca Rio, uh, a very private club in Boca Raton, and did a three-hour interview, and they hired me as their teaching pro. And uh, Boca Rio at the time was a, a club with all the captains of all the industry in the world. Um, it was uh, 145 members, of which 80 to 90 were probably billionaires. Mm-hmm. So I got an opportunity to be around those type of people. Uh, when, you, when you get those opportunities, if you listen, you can learn. And I learned about a lot of different things, uh, business and marketing and sales and the stock market and what have you. Um, I started a business back in 1990 where I was purchasing golf equipment from golf pros around the country and reselling it in in Asia. Hmm. And uh, back in the 90s, Asia, they were crazy about golf. Uh, and they spent ridiculous amounts of money on, on golf. So that, that was a great uh, startup for a little business that turned out to be a much bigger business. Knowing the members of Boca Rio, two members, Sam Klein and Melvin Simon, Winston Trails came up for sale, and I went to them and said, if you guys will front me the money, I think I can make this work. I think we can make money. So they did, and we bought Winston Trails, and uh, I paid them off in five years. How long ago was that? Uh, uh, that was uh, 2002 I bought it, and, and obviously paid them off in 2007. Awesome. awesome. My, um, um, have you ever heard of Cimarron or uh, Royal St. Augustine? My aunt and uncle built those two golf courses there, uh, Jacksonville and St. Augustine. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So they, Brian, I know um, – <laughs> You're awesome with the golf course and all that, but I know you dabble into other things. You know, you have your clubs, you have your uh, chippers, your putters, your things that you make and, and you sell. 
uh, and you have an amazing collection of, of clubs. Uh, can you tell us about that? Sure. Um, I, I always wanted to be in the golf business, meaning uh, designing golf clubs, designing putters, getting players to, to like what we design and actually put them in play. And um, <clears throat> 1991, I started a golf club company with Mel Simon, who was the king of the shopping malls, and it was called Simon Golf. And we were designing and building wedges and putters and uh, golf clubs for the masses, meaning the, the people that would shop at sporting goods stores and Walmart and Kmart and what have you. And it, it turned out to be a, a good business. Unfortunately, Melvin passed away, and we uh, went in a little bit different direction, and we started Brian Simmons Golf Design, and I uh, primarily worked with putters and wedges, and we had quite a few wedges make their way out to the PGA Tour, the Senior Tour, and the LPGA Tour. Um, so that business is still going today. It was a passion to design wedges that not only would uh, work for good players, but that would work for the average golfer, too. Um, from that point, uh, I always was a club collector. I, it's funny because Luis has been in my office. He's seen I have 3,500 golf clubs inside my office, and it's a, a classic collection that was primarily clubs that we were selling to Asia in the early 90s. Uh, the collection that I have now just in the office is valued at about a million five. Wow. You had the first original um, pink putter ever made, right? I've got the first original pink putter ever made. I've got a set of irons that the great Tommy Armour won the U.S. Open with back in the, the late 20s. Um, I have a, a Walter Hagen wedge, a Tommy Armour wedge, uh, just a lot of history, if you will. And the great thing about it is teaching a lot of the best kids in the world who come in or they actually come in and stay at our house for two and three weeks from all over the world. They'll, they'll come out and they'll get a chance to hit persimmon woods and they'll get to hit wedges from 1925 and putters and what have you. And, and they get a, a feeling of what it was like to hit a golf club back then. The, uh, the clubs that they have today, which are obviously much better because of technology, they have an appreciation for it seems that the industry is changing quite a bit i know there's a few courses right around you that have closed tell me your thoughts on what's happening it seems like maybe the folks in the 40s 50s aren't playing as much golf as some of their older counterparts well um believe it or not covid mm -hmm. re-energized golf and i say that because when covid hit we personally were closed for 40 some odd days and unfortunately it was in season and that was a big nut to handle because we probably lost about four hundred thousand dollars in that that time frame and not too many businesses can come back from a loss like that um covid really energized golf because people had nowhere to go nothing to do except be outside where they felt safe and they were playing golf um we, we seized the, the moment there, and I had another friend of mine, and we co-designed a shield that fit inside the golf cart and separated the players. We had an infectious disease doctor uh, give it his blessings, and we were able to open our golf course up 
uh, faster than other golf courses. But more importantly, we were able to have two riders per golf cart versus just one. And that was financially a huge, uh, a huge thing for us. And, and I think when the smoke cleared after COVID, we sold about 8,000 shields to multiple clubs around the United States. Do you awesome. still do you still keep the shields in place now on the golf carts or no? They are there if somebody requests it. Okay. So we we we, we did that and then, um, but again, yes, you had made a comment about that the 40s and 50s aren't playing. Uh, the truth of it is they are playing. This year alone, we're averaging 250 golfers a day for the season, starting in December and going all the way through today. Fantastic. So golf is golf. It is at a very high right now, and all the private country clubs now have two to five year waiting lists, and they're all raising their initiation fees uh, to levels that they haven't seen in twenty twenty five years. Have you ever seen MythBusters? I'm sorry. Have I seen what the TV show MythBusters? Mm-hmm. I have not. So they had a sports one. It was interesting. So you see those long drive competitions, those guys who can whack the ball farther than anybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. And part of that was that when these guys get up there, you hear them grunting and screaming as they're hitting the ball. And they were talking to different athletes that grunted and screamed, tennis players, and they brought it to golf. And they were asking these guys that were hitting the ball as long as they were, could you do it without grunting or screaming? And it was interesting that they said it had to do with the old releasing of the chi. Like if you're uh, in uh, martial arts, that it, it controlled your breathing and that you would exhale as you're hitting it. Have you ever, ever heard of anything like this for golf? I mean, it's kind of funny when you're golfing with somebody who's screaming and grunting while you're you're up on the tee box. But Well, I, I haven't talked to many Monica Sellis, I can tell you that, <laughs> uh, because I know she was famous for that in tennis. Um, I do teach Alexa, Alex Phillips, and Alex is one of the world long drive women players. And I think she does make a little bit of a noise as she's ripping it. She can hit it about 330. Uh, Currently, I'm teaching a kid named Brandon Matthews. And Brandon's the number one money winner on the Corn Ferry Tour this year. And he's won enough money that he's locked up his PGA Tour card for next year. Brandon has a very unique gear that no one's got. He can fly a ball almost 370. So uh, I've never heard him make any noise at all. I think it's a very individual uh, thing uh, with uh, the yelling and screaming and grunting. Brian, what's the secret sauce for your success? Preaching to, to people in my industry, it's all in the buy. So no matter what you sell it for, no matter what you've done with it, if you can buy products right, you can always make money. For instance, in our little golf shop here, we have 970 square feet. We do between five and 600,000 in gross sales every year. And uh, most of the products that I have in my shop are closeouts uh, or items that I bought at a great price. And to me, in, in merchandising, it's all in the buy to be able to make money at your top end and as you discount that product you're still making money good man ron i have to ask you you told me earlier before we went on that you have now turned louis into a hooker <laughs> can i get some more details on how louis is now your hooker golf golf i, I know it. 
Well, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty blessed. I have a lot of great friends. Uh, Luis is a great friend and his family. And uh, he came out and we met each other. And he brought another baseball player, a great friend again, now Rene Rivera. And they came out to hit some golf balls. And I'm, I wish that I only knew Luis when he was playing baseball because he's given me some pictures and what a what a beautiful baseball swing he's got. He was slicing his ball, and I taught Luis how to draw the ball, but you can call him a hooker if you want to. <laughs> Actually, you called him hooker. <laughs> I don't recollect that. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back to the tape if you'd like. But no, 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 let's... Okay, so you've now corrected his slice. Yes. I've corrected his slice, and then... We would turn around and watch Renee hit a golf ball 350 yards. So, um, you know, the, the guys that are hitting it the longest, most of it's God-given. Uh, they have the natural ability tempo-wise and releasing of the golf club-wise to, to hit these golf balls astronomical distances. Um, the, the young man I spoke of, Brandon Matthews, uh, I've watched him hit three iron 320. So, I mean, and, and for an old guy like me, an old school golf uh, instructor and coach, it just doesn't compute how far these kids can hit balls today. But physically, they're, they're more fit. The equipment's better. Uh, the technology has done things to the golf ball that it, it makes it a super ball. And uh, so that's a good thing. But it, the, it, the bad thing is golf courses were never built for people to hit balls the distances they do today. Mm, you know, not to increase or make them bigger. Brian, last question I have for you. If I'm a family with kids and one of them I'm inspiring to you know, get my kid into golf or if I'm a golfer, an avid golfer, and I want to improve my game, how do I get a hold of you? Well, you know, Winston Trails Golf Club, I'm only here every day, all day. And, uh, you know, Winston Trails... Uh, golfclub.com or 561-439-3700. I love bringing the kids to the game. Uh, That's one of my passions. Luis has a daughter, Mila, that is just a natural athlete, and um, she likes golf. She doesn't love it yet, but if she ever put her mind to it, she could really be great. Uh, I had at one time four number one in the world kids uh, that uh, were were tremendous players. Uh, today, Alexa Pano is going to get on on the LPGA tour within a year, and um, we we as as teachers and coaches, I mean that, that that's what we're doing. That's what we live for. Um, this year, I put my thirty third student into a full college scholarship for golf. Awesome. Uh, in twenty years, so uh, my passion with the kids is is fantastic and uh but no coming here getting your kid to to try to learn uh and and here's the thing too that i think is very important parents uh are a little different now uh i'm sure in baseball and coaching baseball you see that louise and in golf uh but i always tell the parents when they bring their kid here the kid first and foremost has to be a great kid secondly they have to be a great student and third they have to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. I think that's the progression that you want to teach these kids, and, and you're actually teaching the parents, too. Absolutely, absolutely. Brian, congratulations on making your hobby your living. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of fun when you see people that do that. You know, a lot of people start a business just to make money, but it sounds like you've taken your passion for this game and turned it into something very profitable and something that you're able to help others. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show and uh, great information. Um, we'll be seeing you soon. I look forward to it. And Luis, keep hitting that draw. <laughs> you hooker, you. You hooker, you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Appreciate Brian. it. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. You're looking to find people or staff. We are a great resource in two separate categories, and that's legal and finance. And what that means is that if you're looking to staff your law firm with an associate, a paralegal, a legal secretary, we are a great resource. And on the accounting side, if you're looking for people to help you in the accounting department, we're great at that too. Starting with a CFO, a VP of finance, financial analyst, all the way down to a staff accountant. My company is called Now Hiring You, where people make a difference. Hi, this is Joe from Empower IT Group. We are IT consultants focusing on the small, medium-sized business market in South Florida. If you think about your IT support and you're not smiling, give us a call. We make IT stress-free. Sending an email to info at empowerITgroup.com or give us a call anytime at 305-260-6022. And check us out on the web, www.empowerITgroup.com. That's ears and echo, M as in Mary, the word power, ITgroup.com. Good morning. This is Alan. Afternoon, evening, whenever you might be listening or on the radio with us. From Secret to My Success, I'm here with the lovely Dawn. Hi, Alan. Hi, Louis. Hey, how are hey, you? Hey. Wait a minute, I was just about to say hey that. Oh. Are you calling him Louis? Louis, Louis. Do you go by Louis? I mean, I've called you Louis for years. What do you Louis, go by? Louis, Louis. Louis, Louis. Oh, he's going to slap that ball. <laughs> Is that what they used to say? <laughs> yeah. When man, you were playing? That's the first they saw him, the animals. Really? Yeah. It, it wasn't like at the Red Every Sox. Every time I came to hit, that's what they That's did. what they would say. Did you pick that song? The or animal, did they no, pick? I didn't speak English at the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> I didn't know what they were saying. But you've come to appreciate it now that you speak English. Of course. The Louis Louis song. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Well, we have a wonderful guest today. And the question is, Marco Evans, when you come up to bat, what song do they sing for you? The voice and the face <laughs> of radio. What do they got for you, Marco? Oh boy, I'd have to think about that one. Uh, Stairway to Heaven. I'll, I'll go with I'll go with Led Zeppelin on that one. Stairway to Heaven. That's pretty good. Stairway to Heaven. Dumb. What do you got for him? What song would you play for him? Oh, I would he hell. He does have a really good voice. <laughs> 
Don, you're about to get fired. I'm gonna I'm gonna replace you, okay? I need a good song. But but you're much better looking than him, so it is what oh, it is. He sounds good. You hear that, Marco? You sound good. Hope you can I come think up. I better change my song to Highway to Hell then. <laughs> Highway to Hell, baby. <laughs> so Marco, what's the name of your business? We are now hiring you. Yes. Okay. I, I'm glad you want to hire me, but what's the name of your business? Now hiring you. <laughs> Oh, we are uh, we are a recruiting company, and I started it in two thousand and two. Executive search and executive recruiting. What did you do before two thousand two? You know, a different industry. I was in the consumer electronics business. You know, doing um, home theater and speakers and TVs mm. and all that fun stuff. So those are kind of the two things I'm known for: music and entertainment and recruiting. How did you flip the switch from music and entertainment to recruiting? You know, kind of like a lot of us got involved in a career by by happenstance. I had uh, a client that said, "Hey, why don't you leave that industry and come come uh, come work with me?" And um, you know, I took a leap of faith and joined forces with them and learned the business. And then a few years later, I opened my own company and hung my own shingle and did my own thing. So you started out. As a recruiter for somebody, I did. Learned did the not ropes. know what I was doing at the time. So, what was the area of expertise that this gentleman was pursuing at the time? Uh, he was a developer, a programmer for American Express, and he broke away, uh, went into his own software development, doing work for American Express, and hired me to expand relationships and call on clients and sell our software development services. Um, and help staff for the um, developers that would take to use those services. So you were about four years too late. If you had jumped in in 98, you would have been doing all that millennium work for all the computer places that need people to add four digits to the date code, correct? Oh, boy, I was I was right in the middle of that. So I, I think you hit it right on the head. We were right in the middle of it, absolutely. Okay. How big was that business that you joined when you first started? You know, we probably have 30, 40 employees, uh, including all our, our, our developer contractors and, and, and staff and customer service and project managers. It was, it was a nice business in, in Weston, Florida. So let's take a look at the leap of faith because that's the nicest way you to put, for you to put it. One day you woke up and said, I'm done with this guy. I'm going out on my own. Let's hear about that whole transition because that's super important. Well, it did not have a happy ending for him. Unfortunately, he got caught writing kickback checks to his clients, mm -hmm. uh, to the to the managers of the departments, and corporate found out about it and, you know, did not have a happy ending. So I was kind of forced to go out on my own and started a company called Personnel 411. As we all know, the, the dynamic in the business community changed changed a lot with with uh, 911, 9-11. You know, kind of weathered that storm for a brief period of time and then reinvented the company as now hiring you and decided not to do any of the things I did wrong in the past. And uh, that was when we kicked off in 2002. I don't think a 25 year old would know what 411 is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't even remember well, the last time I used 411. Do they actually answer the phone? I, I couldn't answer. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question, but we did something that was kind of interesting at the time. It was called a fax blast. 
it was when your messaging and your advertising would go out to hundreds of, of home phone numbers and business phone numbers and fax machines. Right. And those machines made that awful sound. And we were waking people up in the middle of the night and I, we got all kinds of threats because of, you know, the, the sleep disruption that it had. So, um, in, in the, in the new evolution of now hiring you, we decided not to do fax blast and it became more of a, uh, you know, an internet-based business. Marco, you're going to laugh, but I was in the same business years ago, and we had a big company that we were doing a lot of business with called Travelers. And we decided to create what was called the people posting instead of a job posting. And every month we'd go up there with a whole bunch of profiles of candidates with numbers, no resumes. And we would bring it up there, and they'd have the departments say, oh, I'd like this candidate number. Yeah, that guy's already got a job, but I've got three others. Let me just set up the interviews. Travelers calls me and says, Alan, we love seeing you, but you've heard of this thing called a fax machine? I'm like, yeah. And I said, could you go get one? I'm like, sure. I spent $1,000 on my first fax machine, a Minolta, a Minolta curly, Q pa- or curly paper fax machine. Of and, course. And I'm faxing them over. Two months in, they call me back and said, hey, buddy, can you stop the fax? We kind of right. miss you. Can you just come back? Because, you know, I was bringing coffee and donuts and stuff like that. So, yes, my first fax machine was a failure. <laughs> That's funny. So, Marco, let's hear the transition from going from these people to doing your own thing. First day, you have to come up with a name. You got an office. There's all this stuff that you had to go through. How did you deal with it? You, you know, I ended up buying the domain name from a friend of mine that, that – Back in the very beginning when domain names were, gosh, if you think back about all the domain names you know, 15 or 20 years ago that you would have bought, you know, um, we'd all be very wealthy today. But the reality is that I ended up buying the domain name. Um, I registered it. We transferred it. And, um, you know, I worked from home in the beginning. And it was, you know, every single deal that we brought in seemed like a small fortune, you know. for a a resume search. Our business initially was a resume search business, kind of similar to what you were talking about, Alan. We would go to the big databases. At the time, it was Monster, Career Builder, Hot Jobs. And, you know, if a client had a need for a data entry person in Topeka, we would go to those databases and we would find the candidates that most closely matched, put them in one file, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 resumes and email them to that client. And uh, we did, we, it wasn't a, a, a full-scale recruiting company at the time. It, was, it started as a resume search business and, uh, and eventually morphed into executive search where we were we would handle it from the search all the way to the job offer and beyond. So, Marco, basically a person calls you, fills out a resume, uh, and then you basically, according to that resume, you would uh, drive them to whatever client you had that may be in need. And, and, and let me ask you another question. At <laughs> what percentage do you guys get jobs? Well, we, we, we never really found out how successful our candidates were that we were packaging together. You know, what we ended up doing was just forwarding that, and we left the follow-up and the contact and, the emailing to the candidates, we left that in the hands of the client afterwards. So our our value add at the time was getting getting the resumes together because in, in the beginning, Monster and Career Builder and Hot Jobs, it, it, it was not affordable. 
you know, to have those databases, it was it was a subscription service, brilliant for the time, but it was five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars, and Career Builder, I remember, was close to twenty thousand dollars just to have access to their to their resume. So we we never found out what happened to the candidates. The only only barometer we had of knowing um, whether we were successful or not is whether the clients would come back a second time to use us, and 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 they would. When did you convert this to a full-blown, because you're a full-service executive search firm, correct? That's right. I mean, you, you know, there's never really a point in time that you did it. And, you know, when you think back about the things that you did and the way that you pivoted in, in your business, and certainly you've had a lot of guests on the show before, all you have to do is talk to the people that have went through the pandemic recently, and they'll tell you how their businesses had immediately shifted um, or slowly shifted or slowly pivoted, you know, they had to refigure, the, the, they had to reinvent themselves. But we kind of did the same. We had a client that would come back and say, you know what, I don't really don't want to call all 20 of these people. Will you do it? And how much do you charge for that? So if that started out as one out of 100, then it became one out of 50, and then it was two out of 25. And before you know it, you know, two years had gone by and we were a full service agency. But you wouldn't go backwards if somebody called you up and said, hey, Marco, I want to pay you for 200 resumes, send them over. You just wouldn't do that, right? You wouldn't go back. Anything's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do temporary employees as well, or is it a full search? We do. And as a matter of fact, the, the paralegal part of our business, the paralegal legal assistant and paraprofessional market has gotten so challenging for us to fill roles, we decided to do something that is called nearshoring. Nearshoring is a different way of looking at offshoring. Offshoring is when you have a virtual assistant that is based in maybe India or Philippines 12 hours away. There are certain issues with somebody that's that far away and how they can work. They've got to be on U.S. hours or some hybrid of, of different, in a different time zone. Nearshoring looks at the Latin American countries like, um, um, we'll say Colombia and Argentina, where they are in the same time zone, fully bilingual, literally at the half, at half what you would pay to have somebody that could come into your business. So it's a, it's a very, very exciting concept for us. We, we call that business Chorus, C-H-O-R-I-S. Uh, we're a startup, and you know we're going to be moving the majority of our perm our, our temp business over to chorus in a virtual environment so do these people punch in record their hours you bill the clients by the hour that's exactly right and we're also working on a concept where you will have the the ability to um, do project work like you want to input you know 150 pages into a uh, into a database or you want to add add manually add customers to your your CRM. I mean, we're looking at ways that we can do project work to help people that have a need. Finding people right now, as we all know, in the middle of the great resignation is extremely difficult. So what are you doing when you're hearing from some clients that are begging you, screaming at the top of their lungs, I need help, I need help, I need help now? What are you offering? Well, it depends on what they need help with. And I think clients are understanding to the point that they know hiring a partner at a law firm is going to have a, a, a much different uh, timeline than getting somebody to answer their phones. So uh, with regard to Chorus, um, and that's spelled C-H-O-R-I-S, 
with regards to chorus, chorus we can have somebody starting with your organization within 48 hours. And then, you know, on the opposite end, a partner at a law firm, it, it could take 48 months, depending on... Mark, on, what's the cost? Search criteria. What's the cost if, I, if I'm looking for a job and I want to hire you? But, I mean, what's the cost for me to... to for you to help me get a job. The most cost-effective thing that we have is the nearshoring. It's, you know, we will accept resumes from these countries, and that's, you know, your, your half price of what it would cost to um, hire somebody locally, 13 to $14 an hour. Um, if you were a candidate looking for work, most recruiting agencies do not charge a fee um, to represent a candidate. We, we, we charge the client, the employer, as the one who pays our fee. Is there a minimum of time to bring somebody in through chorus? I mean, you know, ten hours a week, thirty hours a week. What is there a time frame? Right now, we're only looking at full time, so that's thirty-five to forty hours per week. Excellent. And these employees, if they're working in a foreign government, you, you don't have to do taxes or anything like that. You could just pay them directly. Obviously, you're not going to start fulfilling tax needs in foreign countries. We like it. There is a tax form that, that, that each employee to our company has to fill out as independent contractors. Okay. It's actually called the W-8, um, and that comes from uh, Argentina as an example. But the, the benefit to the end user, you know, the client that would use this service is literally you're getting somebody for half price without benefits, without, without um, insurance, without the contributions, without the PTO. Um, you know, because that burden is on, on us as the, as the hiring entity. I was in your business, and I'll never forget those clients that would come to you and tell you they want a gold Rolex, but they'd like to pay for a Timex. <laughs> You're right about that. <laughs> How are you educating these people now? Because I'm sure there's still those crazy people out there that figure there's, you know, their name means everything, and I don't have to pay employees what they should be worth. Oh, I, I, we just had one of those uh, in the last six months. We were in the middle of the pandemic, and um, the the industry was um, um, it was waste management, a waste management uh, sort of business, and you know the, it was a customer service person, and we 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 ended up sending them nearly thirteen people, and nobody was good enough. And of course, the expectation is that. You know, using a recruiting agency, you know, um, we're going to find better people. The, the reality is that the market is the same for everybody. We're all fishing in the same pond. We all have the same candidate pool that we're um, that we're fishing from or we're fishing into. And uh, you know, after 13 people, we just decided that you know m maybe it was it was better that we don't continue. So I know in some of these industries, they've gone with an ASA model or a different model where they put everything out to a master company and then they push them all out to little guys or other guys. And it seems like you're all now competing in the same pond and pool to find these candidates for these, what I would call frugal contracts. How's that affect your business? Um, you know, we're, we're small enough that we can remain fairly agile. I, I would be really concerned if we were one of the big recruiting agencies, you know, the global or uh, domestic recruiting agencies. I mean, they're, they must be really having a good time, but at the end, they have a tough time. But you know what? At the end of the day, and we tell our recruiters this, and we tell our account managers this, and we tell our resources the same thing, that 
people don't work for companies. They all work for a person. And that's the position that we have to take as a recruiting agency. We have to be that person that represents them in a nice way, you know, a trusting resource, you know, um, that they can rely on us. I mean, one of my one of my favorite stories is, and it's an ongoing story, we tell our clients why um, not to hire somebody. Um, and they appreciate that. They, they know the ups and the downs going into it. And on the same regard, we tell a candidate that, hey, this person is demanding. You're going to have to work an occasional Saturday. So they go in with their eyes wide open and they have full expectations once they get in there. Are you finding a lot of companies are making counter offers to keep people from leaving because it's just such of bad course. timing? Of course. We just heard about it. Uh, we just heard it uh, um, about uh, one of our clients. That it wasn't one of our candidates, but it was one of our clients. They extended an offer, and the, the candidate accepted, went back to his employer, and they matched it and got him to stay. So it happens all the time. Um, you know, there, there's a, a tremendous expense in training somebody. And there's uh, um, there's there's even a bigger expense in replacing them. I think uh, Richard Branson said it the best. You know, train people so they can leave you for a better opportunity, but but treat them so they don't or they won't. And that that's a good lesson that I've never forgotten. Marco, we're going to do something a little different with you today. Oh boy, here we go. Oh so for you, candidates oh are king right now. I mean. I'm sure you have no problem getting job orders, but candidates are super important, right? Of course. So I'm going to let you speak <laughs> for scared. 60 seconds. <laughs> I want you to do your commercial right now. Do it right now on the spot, telling candidates why they Thank should you. call you. <laughs> well, goodness, you are putting me on the spot. So tell me your name, Mr. Candidate. Frank Ramos. Frank, Frank, I know you've been out there looking in the market, and it's got to be challenging. I can't even imagine what you're going through trying to figure out where you want to work, how you want to work, and what the best opportunity is for you. I'll tell you right now that, you know, we've got the inside track with all of the different firms here in town. Um, I know the culture. I know the drive. I know the distance. I know the work-life balance. And I know whether or not you'll be able to work remotely on occasion in a hybrid environment or you're going to have to go to the office every single day. And if you're going to the office every single day, I think we should probably ensure the fact that you're going to make a little bit more money to cover your car expense. And that brings up another great uh, uh, question for you. Um, what are the benefits like? It's a question that we hear every single day. And this company in particular that we think that you might be a good fit for based on your background pays your medical insurance 100% and you get 15 days of PTO every single year. Uh, and the culture and the environment, although you are going to the office, it's a great environment. And the managing partner is a really nice person that brings in pizza at least twice a week. That what, was a long elevator what, speech. Yeah, huh? what, what kind of pizza? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, Marco, you got to tell me, what candidates are you actively looking for right now? Oh, goodness, you, you name it, and we're, we're looking for them. I mean, I'd have to say the biggest need we have, we have right now, and this is a U.S. need, are admin Hookers. and help staff. Did you just yeah. say hooker? Yeah. Uh, he was talking about golf. golf. We were, sorry, we had a guest who was talking about hooking and golf. Never mind. So let's continue. <laughs> so you're looking for admins. You, you were doing a lot of legal stuff, right? Yeah, so that would be legal secretaries, paralegals, legal support people. 
any in that genre. I mean, it's a very, very active market. I had somebody call me last week. They have four openings for for paraprofessionals, four. And, you know, it's something that we've never done before, but he actually recorded another recruiter recruiting somebody out of the same office after they put them in there. So, you know, uh, it's good to know that from the top down, we always try to do the right thing and protect the interests of our clients. Marco, how would somebody reach you? If I am a paralegal and I want to work for one of your clients, how do I get in touch with you? Well, the, the, the best way to do it is to get an email dialogue going on, and that's resumes at nowhiringyou.com. Resumes at nowhiringtheletteru.com. And there's a phone number? Yeah, absolutely. It's 954-633-7757. And your geographic territory, because this is heard actually all over the world. So where? Sure, sure. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're strongest in Florida. That's about 70% of our business, and then another 30% nationwide. Don, are you ready to be a paralegal? No. No? No. Not going to happen? Not going to happen. Yeah. Louie? Thank you for your information. I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we'll clear up a lot of the things that for people that want, you know, look for jobs and things like that. So it's pretty good. Do you do any customer service types of jobs? We, we, we're pushing all of the customer service to our nearshoring. Excellent. Fantastic, Marco. You know, yeah, listen, I, you know, it's, it's one thing, and it's up on the wall in our office, and, it, you know, it's, it's how we think about what we do as a recruiting agency. We're helping people. We're matching people. We're like the eHarmony. And I've got, a, I've got an image up on, in my office that says how wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. And that was Anne Frank. And there's not a day that goes by that we're not making somebody happy with, you know, getting a new job, getting a new career, or solving a need or solving a problem inside of a business. But really, at the end of the day, we're problem solvers from a, from a human capital perspective, and we're good at it. Marco, thanks for being here. Thank you for showing up. We appreciate it. We wish you the most success in your business, and you have a great day. All right. Thanks, Alan. Hi, this is Joe from Empower IT Group. We are IT consultants focusing on the small, medium-sized business market in South Florida. If you think about your IT support and you're not smiling, give us a call. We make IT stress-free. Sending an email to info at empoweritgroup.com or give us a call anytime at 305-260-6022. And check us out on the web, www.empoweritgroup.com. That's ears and echo. And as in Mary, the word power, itgroup.com. If you're looking to find people or staff, we are a great resource in two separate categories, and that's legal and finance. And what that means is that if you're looking to staff your law firm with an associate, a paralegal, a legal secretary, we are a great resource. And on the accounting side, if you're looking for people to help you in the accounting department, we're great at that too starting with a CFO, a VP of finance, financial analyst, all the way down to a staff accountant. My company is called Now Hiring You, where people make a difference. If you're looking for a new career, make money, and work for a great company, call Liliana at Apple Insurance, 954-399-5841. They're hiring customer service people, life and health, and telemarketers. Call Liliana at 954-399-5841.
Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3.